0: welcome back to model parenting podcast i am farah isbell and-,
1: and i am david so lucky to be married to Farah. <laughs> you have a very calming tone in your nice. voice when you introduce the podcast all Ta-la-la. right <laughs> hey all right uh, yeah we're starting episode nine and uh, as we get into this um just want to let you know if you want to skip episode nine and ten feel free Uh, We're going to drill down on these next two episodes with worldview. We kind of touched on it slightly last week. Um, This is not going to be an exhaustive reference for how to develop a biblical worldview. This is just some Cliff Notes version. I think they call them Spark Notes now. It's what our kids use as Spark Notes. Um, But uh, we're a little under the weather. We've got a little bit of um, some congestion going on, so hopefully we can... Um, not be too distracting with some of that as we uh, talk through this. But on the last episode, we introduced the circles and those concentric circles where worldview was the middle circle, behavior was the outer circle, and values was the middle circle, and that's kind of where we camp out most of the time, and sort of headed us towards these values. <clears throat> but since worldview. Really is what determines those values. We wanted to spend a couple of episodes on it. Um, if you are not interested in the worldview piece, if you're not interested in developing some biblical worldview, then feel free to, to step back and, and skip over to, um, I guess, episode 11 is what that'll end up being. But nine and 10 are going to be worldview focused. So um, just a couple of things as we um, get started on this one. Um, Fair and I, as, as we were becoming parents, I went to a leadership camp and we'd already, in one of the early episodes told you that we moved out to Seattle. Um, While I was in Seattle, I got kind of recruited into a leadership development team at the company I was working for, the construction company. And they sent me to a leadership camp because they wanted to develop their own leadership model to build leaders within their organization. And it was, it was a really cool opportunity for me. You know, I was a a young kid, early twenties, getting an opportunity to go do this. And I went to a, leadership camp of Colorado for a week. And in that week, I spent a ton of time. Um, they did some self-assessments, some 360 assessments. We did a lot of um, aptitude tests and leadership exercises and um, all of these these things that helped me better understand who I was as a person and how I was built. So at that leadership camp, that's they introduced these circles to us. That's not an original idea, these concentric circles and um, I've heard them called golden circles. People use different. This isn't a, an original concept. Um, but that's, as, as I went to that leadership camp and as I was digesting that information, when I came home, Farah, uh, we hadn't yet, we hadn't had Dax yet. That was in November. I was pregnant. Oh. You were super pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We weren't really due because we were due in January, but right. um, you, you were super pregnant and sitting, just staying at home. So <clears throat> when I got home, we were talking through these ideas. And I said, Hey, I, I really think we can use this to better build our family and model our family and have some, some targeted values so that we can teach our kids a biblical worldview without them knowing we're teaching them a biblical worldview. Um, Farron and I were talking the other day and we, we say we Mr. Miyagi the crap out of our kids. <laughs> um, and, and when your kids are young, like when we started this, They can't understand these concepts of worldview. These are very deep, abstract-type thoughts.
0: Philosophical. It's
1: very philosophical. I mean, it's very theological, and there's a lot that goes into them. So they couldn't understand that, but they could wrap their hands around the values. And if we taught them and trained them values that were based on a biblical worldview, then they would kind of, by osmosis, gain some of that biblical worldview because we were so focused on the values. So... That's kind of why we started with this worldview piece, because we really wanted our kids to have a biblical worldview. Um, And the resource, we'll we'll talk about it later, um, really helped develop a lot of this. So um, biblical worldview really kind of comes off of five questions. We're going to talk about two of them tonight and try to help you wrap your hands around two of the bigger pieces of worldview worldview. Um, and we said worldview is kind of how you relate to God. And yes, that is that is accurate. Um, but more specifically, the questions that come out um, are going to help kind of hone in and, and drill down what that um, what that worldview piece looks like. And, and worldview, if you want to think of it in simple terms, it's, it's literally just the lens at which you view the world. So right now I'm wearing reading glasses so I can't see, if if I take my reading glasses off, everything's really blurry, and I can't see very well. When I put my reading glasses back on, then I can see. Farrah has some nighttime driving glasses. Um, if she's driving at night, everything looks kinda, what do you call it, firework? Hazy, hazy, hazy. fiery. So the lens at which we view the world, and everybody has one, whether you think you have one or not, everybody has one. Um, and it was developed through your upbringing, it was developed through your education, it was developed through multiple different facets, have created a default worldview for you. Um, and fair and I had a default worldview, and we thought it was mostly biblical. <laughs> but as we got through some of these questions, we realized that, that some of our pieces were off a little.
0: The world was had affected me a lot, <clears throat> a lot. I mean, I knew I was affected by the world, but I didn't realize how much.
1: All right, so... Um, the, the goal of this, and we're going to, man, I'm telling you, we're going to fly through these five questions. We're not going to spend an, an, a ton of time on all this. But the, the idea of this is to introduce the topic. If you're interested in it and want to do more, dig into the resources that we're going to give you um, through this episode. But ultimately, we believe that your model will be more successful if you do spend time and de- discuss this stuff with your spouse and you guys go through developing this biblical worldview so that you can communicate that and help your kids understand what that is. So um, first question, do you have anything to add to that before we get into these questions? No. All right, okay. First question, um, and and they're kind of um, in order of importance of how you answer them. So the the top question to answer as you're discussing your worldview is, who or what is my ultimate authority? Um, Now, everybody who is listening to this podcast most likely is going to answer that very similarly. Um, we're all going to say, all right, hey, God, that God is our ultimate authority. But I think we need to to dig into that because we don't understand authority in Western culture the same way that someone in an Eastern culture would have done this, or especially in biblical times, um, about God's or Jesus's authority, because we don't live under a king. So kings... Uh, on a monarch, when when a king orders something or, or passes an edict, that's what happens. It's not a oh we get to vote on it or oh you know we don't really like that piece so we're not going to do that or well, n- no what he says goes and if you don't do it you're you're probably going to get executed um, publicly executed because that's the um, manner in which they wanted to control the population. So what what we understand most about kings are most of the time they're bad guys in hero movies, and you got this scrappy young upstart hero who is defying you know, you got the robin hoods and and the three Musketeers and all these kind of guys who are defying the will of the king and we relate to them like, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd be that guy. I'm not gonna conform and so we we more connect and relate to. Um, these heroes that defy
0: the rebellion
1: we the star Wars the rebellion right <laughs> going against the emperor right we we connect more as the good guys who are defying the authority um, and that's not that's not real life um, we need to understand how to submit to and live under the authority of God and um, in our worldview if if we don't identify God as our ultimate authority then we're We're probably leaning to government as our authority, um, potentially school as authority, ourselves as our authority. That's mostly where Mm. it it ends up is we kind of claim that ultimate authority in our life. Um, And the illustration that I have is and where I see this most often when I'm talking to Christian parents or, um, you know, church people, stuff like that, is I've heard the phrase, yes, I'm saved, but I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm saved. And, and we've got this idea that, that Jesus is like two different umbrellas. He's got a salvation umbrella and he's got a um, authority umbrella. And we all love the salvation umbrella, right? That's, that's super easy. Everybody, yeah, because nobody wants to die and go to hell. So everybody runs to the salvation umbrella. But we still kind of want to do life our way. We want to do our own thing. So we keep that authority umbrella that Jesus gets to direct the steps of our life, we keep that one over off to the side. Did you wanna add in something there?
0: Well, I mean, that part just comes first in Exodus. I mean, he saved them, he brought them out first, and then the authority came later. And And so we just stop short, I think, off too often.
1: I think so. <clears throat> I think we're all definitely interested in the saving part. Yes. We struggle to move past that Move past that and submit to the authority. Um, a couple of verses of Scripture I wanted to look at, and is going to read this for us, um, is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 29. And, and I think we're going to start to see and understand some of this obedience and authority that Jesus has and how he connects it in a, a worldview-type idea. So if, can you read that for us, babe?
0: Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness.
1: should be some more of that, right?
0: Oh. Do 29. Oh, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell.
1: Here's a great picture just right at the end of that verse that Jesus taught with authority, not the Pharisees. Pharisees struggled with this ultimate authority because their authority was the law. They didn't view necessarily God as their authority and the God was the giver of the law. They viewed the law as the authority. And, and the people who were listening to Jesus in this passage recognized that there was some authority that he had and that he spoke with that wasn't there with the Pharisees because there was some relational authority there. Um, but Jesus, in this passage, he connects our obedience to our salvation. He says, whoever does the will of my Father, that, that's, who, that's who gets to come to heaven. If you don't, I'm going to say, I never knew you. Now, please do not hear that I'm saying that we earn our salvation. We don't. That is not the point. Jesus is not saying you have to earn your salvation. What he is saying that if we don't have a desire to be obedient to, to what God teaches and allow him to direct our life, we probably don't know him because if we know him, we will want to submit to his authority. The truth is there's only one umbrella. Yes. It's not two different umbrellas. There's not a salvation umbrella and an authority umbrella. We're able to be saved because Jesus has the authority to do it. He did it on the cross and got that authority so that we can be saved. It's the same idea with the Ten Commandments. The the Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites after they were saved. God didn't say, hey, here's the Ten Commandments. I need you to keep all those commandments, and then I'm going to come and rescue you. When you guys do that for a specified period of time, I'll step in and I'll save you. No, he delivered them from Egypt. He delivered them from, from the Egyptians, and then he gave them the law. And then Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to complete the law, to perfect it to say that, follow me, because the law really just shows us and points us that we can't earn our salvation. It props us up to say, you can't do this on your own. You can't be perfect. Take the salvation. Let me pay for that. Take my my, my saving grace and mercy that I offer you and submit to the authority that I have because I earned that. Um, one of the biggest places this shows up in Scripture, this idea of um, authority, recognizing Jesus' authority as, as linking to our salvation versus just wanting that, that salvation and freedom is actually on the cross. When Jesus, and, and the passage is Luke 23, 39 through 43. We're not going to read it all just from a time perspective. But Jesus is on the cross, and, and he's got um, two guys being crucified with him on his right and his left. And one of the guys— says, hey, Jesus, if you're so good, if you're so awesome, save us. Save yourself and us. Get us down out of here. This is terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. Save us. The other guy gets onto to the first guy and says, hey, man, this guy's done nothing wrong. We deserve what we get. And he asks Jesus a question. He says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. The two different pictures, I think this this particular passage is in the scriptures because Jesus is pointing out, hey, I'm not about salvation. I have a kingdom. I'm inviting you to be adopted into my kingdom. I am bringing you into the reality that my world is what will last. You can step into that and the authority that I have in that world, or you can sit there and just try to be saved. Jesus didn't save them they both they all endured their death but i guarantee you the the thief that was with him there and recognized his authority and said Jesus when you're in your kingdom you're a king you're in charge when you get there remember me he was remembered he was saved for eternity not in the moment he was saved for eternity because he recognized Jesus's authority so Jesus in Matthew 28:18 all authority under heaven and earth had been given to him because of his death on the cross and his overcoming death and being resurrected. So Jesus's authority is the direct reason why we have salvation. So if we cannot submit to his authority, we cannot have salvation if we're trying to live life our way that we are the authority of our life. Or if we put somebody else there, if we put um, a government or if we put a law or if we put a school's district or whatever those things are, those things cannot save us. Only the authority that Jesus has can save us. Okay, why are we talking about it? Worldview influences values. So if I say that I am my ultimate authority and I have, I think through this and this this God stuff and Jesus stuff isn't really for me, and I say that I'm my ultimate authority, I make my own decisions well, then I'm going to value things that benefit me. That's what my values are going to do. So as I'm setting up my values, I'm going to have to to align with my worldview. Those values are going to come out of it. So as if if I say that the the government is my authority, well, several of my values will point me to submit to the government and do what they say and how they want to rule and all of their ideas. So... The idea that worldview influences values; those values are going to come from your worldview, whatever it is. So, if you just operate in your natural default and you don't think through and talk through these ideas, you might find that maybe you're not as committed to. Um, you'll you'll pick some values that are stated values, but they're not real based on your lived worldview. Lived out. They're not lived out. It's not the and we'll get into more of that as we start to build the values. So that's quick, quick hip shot on who or what is my ultimate authority. My recommendation, if you're still listening to this podcast, is really dissect and, and say that God, understand how and why God is your ultimate authority. You can have other things there. I don't think that's going to be as successful, but that's that's my recommendation. So second question that we're going to tackle tonight, and we're doing great on time, by the way. Nice so oh, did you just say that, though, commentator or whatever? I did. I whatever. did. <laughs> but um, second question is, what is humanity and how did we get here? Okay. And I'm, I'm going to preface this, that I'm going to say some things in this section that I don't mean to be offensive or step on your toes. They might. Um, but please hear that I'm saying that with love and encouragement as, as your, you as a parent not with any kind of condemnation. So I will probably reiterate that again when I get into it. But I just I wanted to give you a heads up that um, I am really trying to communicate with some some humility here because I understand how some of these things get um, weaved into our life. So what is humanity and how did I get here? Um, so aside from talking about the birds and the bees, and I can't do that because Corwin's sitting with us tonight. She's hanging out because her brothers are at uh, a retreat. So she's sitting in the podcast studio with us tonight. Listening to her iPad, um, I wouldn't want to talk about the birds and the bees in front of her anyway, right? On a podcast, Man. I mean, she's got it a little bit. That's a good point.
0: We are not letting.
1: Yeah, we're, we're not letting the world tell her. We're telling her, and
0: we have the license. Yes,
1: yeah, good point. So anyway, there's, there's kind of three different answers of how, what is humanity, and how did we get here? Number one, Judeo-Christian answer is we were created by God. All right, we were created. All right, Adam and Eve got created, and then it just kind of went off from there. Right, There's a biological answer of we evolved or we become. So you've got the whole Big Bang Theory. We were created. We weren't created. We, we just evolved out of ooze and amoeba into Neanderthals and Neanderthals are from monkeys and ants. So however you want you to don't. do it. Whatever that evolutionary path is. I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember. And then you have the philosophical answer that we just exist and we become what we become. We are we are here. We are,
0: therefore
1: we are. We are, therefore we are. So those are kind of the three different veins that you can take. I'm going to focus on the biblical view that we are created. And I'm going to specifically drill down into um, how we are continually created. Uh, so is going to read Genesis chapter one, verse 26 to us. Um, but I think there's something that we need to consider inside of that.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth.
1: Okay. So God did what? Created man, right? And then, and we, as, as most people that listening to this podcast are going to say, yes, God created man and Adam and Eve. But I think a lot of us stop there because after the creation story, I think we believe God just stopped creating. That somehow his creative power was put on the shelf and he said, "Okay, I don't need that tool anymore. And we think biology takes over. And I guess God created biology and that man and woman would come together. That's where pregnancy happens. But. It's not the biology of us creating; it is still God's creative process, God's creative idea to create humanity. Pharaoh um, wants to reference Psalm one thirty nine right here.
0: I mean, it just it just talks about before I formed you in the womb. So like he continues to create in the womb, but but I mean,
1: right? And and the problem is is when we think of it this way that. Um, God's creation stopped and biology takes over, well, then we become God. And this is the part that I was going to tell you is maybe steps on toes a little bit. I think sometimes as parents, when we take on that role of God for our kids, that there is almost some obligation there and that we created them. And it's not the joy of a gift as much as it is the obligation and the responsibility because we created it. And I just want to make sure we're clear. Make no mistake, God was the authority in creation. He created that being and gifted it to us. Whatever that boy, girl, whatever, that's the process.
0: And, I mean, I know I've talked a little bit about clinically, but I think a lot of times I've seen this played out when, you know, there's something going on or, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of times parents will either take credit for or take blame for. Hmm. And then they get sucked into a lot of, you know, stuff that's not meant to be theirs to carry.
1: That's not truth. And right. because our worldview gets skewed and we think that we created the child versus God created the child.
0: And they're a gift.
1: And the worldview gets skewed and so the values get skewed and, and we don't treasure and value that time. And again, I'm not trying to condemn any parents clear no. I'm just trying to help us see through some of maybe the lies that we've believed and realize how important these worldview pieces are. Um, Farrah, can you read Genesis 2-7 also, please? Yes.
0: Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature.
1: Hmm. So I don't have a breath of life. So when you and I conceived children, I did not breathe life into any of the three of
0: those. <laughs> no.
1: God is the creator and sustainer of life. He is the breath of life. So we had a couple of pregnancies that didn't make it. God was very much as real with those lives as the 37 days that one of them had and the 50-something days the other one had. Those were were, were real lives that God created, and, and he chose not to sustain those for whatever reason. We won't know. But he created and sustained. It wasn't that we failed in any capacity in those two pregnancies that didn't make it. God chose that those would end when they ended. So whatever place you're sitting at with your children right now, understand that God created and sustained those lives to be where they are. He gave them to you. So um, we're going to hit some more scripture here. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, please, babe.
0: For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
1: So you see Paul's worldview coming through here, that we are created not only as physical beings, but we are created spiritually. That we were dead, and then God chose to revive us. That God chose to bring us alive and involve us in his plan and his work. So... What what is humanity? Humanity is a created being for the work and purposes of God, and if your worldview doesn't encompass us being created by God and your children being created by God for the works and purposes and connecting with God, you're going. Your values are going to miss some of the big components of how you can relate and connect to God. Um, so. But we were created in Christ Jesus. Not That's not the biological. We were created biologically, but then we were created in Christ. Um, also, Paul acknowledges that we are finite. Um, if you want to go back and read Isaiah 5, 8, and 9, we're not going to read it. 55,
0: 8, and 9. Sorry, 55, Sorry. 8, and
1: 9. Yeah, you're right. Um, Paul acknowledges the heavenly realms. He talks about the fi- – uh, Isaiah talks about the finiteness of humanity. We are finite. We have a, a small space in which we occupy. God occupies the universe. And uh, I've heard it said that, you know, the biggest whale on, or the biggest uh, animal on Earth is the, like, blue whale or something. I don't even know. And they go on and say, oh, well, 55 million blue whales fit in Earth and 55 Earths fit in the sun. I mean, just all these huge numbers and just astronomical kind of size. And then at the end of all this hugeness and how big all of it is, the guy says, and God holds it all in the palm of his hand. He is infinite. He is huge beyond time and space. and We are finite, and we need to understand that that perspective of an f- infinite God to a finite human, that we are limited. And our values need to understand that limitation so that we start to um, drive towards what is important, not what is busy and what calls for our attention in those moments. So we only control what God puts in our authority. He has control over everything. Um, the last idea about our humanity, um, yes, we're created. We are finite. The last thing, we are mortal, but we're not. <laughs> um, so, babe, if you can read 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 10.
0: For a while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe.
1: Okay, so Paul sees that we have a part of us, our soul, that's going to live beyond now. Our bodies, yes, they're going to die. And the physical training that we all spend time and we put a lot of importance on being healthy and trying to eat right and go to the gym and all those kind of things. And, And those are important, yes. But the soul that we carry that will live on beyond our body is extremely important. So if our worldview is that we as humans are mortal, but we're not, that a piece of us will live on... Then our values are going to start to understand that, man. We need to we need to aim at eternity. That's what that verse says: is we we cast heavenward, we look up, we change the trajectory of our life. So, if if your values don't recognize that there is is more to this life than just this life, I think your values are are going to to not be as um, fulfilling as maybe they could be. Um, so, again, if, if you're not into this worldview stuff, you listen longer than I thought you would. Skip the next episode because you're not going to like it either. Um, but we are um, we have we started here. We started with these these worldview questions. And Farrah and I I want to say a couple of months. We talked through this and we looked through scripture and we read some books and we read um, uh, different articles. And things. we we tried to understand what our worldview needed to be, and then the values that should come off of that to raise our children in a biblical worldview environment.
0: And I will say we did we did that beforehand work and all that conversation and stuff, but then as we started to live in our values, when I would bump into one of mine, I would try to sit with it for a little while and figure out what, what, deeper, what worldview thing, what was I pushing back on and and where was my struggle really? Um, And it usually was not whatever was going on in the value. It was a, it was a worldview thing.
1: Right. So worldview determines your values. um, And I I believe firmly that a biblical worldview will lead to uh, values that allow for the most rewarding life um, because values determine behavior. So if I believe that people are created by God, that they are finite and that we will live beyond this um, current uh, skin suit that we have on, then I'm going to value people in a different way. And I'm going to behave towards those people differently than if we're all just biology and we're all just cells that were created through uh, a biological process. Hopefully you're starting to see and connect those dots of why we're starting with worldview. I said uh, the title episode last week was It All Starts Here. It really does start here with these worldview pieces. So um, those are the two that we're going to tackle tonight. Um, So those are the two questions um, that we wanted to uh, talk through and then talk through some of the implications about how those tie into values. Um, We'll get more into this um, after next episode so that we can start just Get through the stated versus actual values and and how to start to determine and build some of your value system. But we did want to camp out here for a couple of episodes to help you to understand those things. So the um, activity fair, you got an activity for us tonight?
0: Yes, our connection activity is to play with umbrellas, and I know this sounds kind of silly, but I do want to encourage people to to pray and to talk to God before they go into this activity with their kids and just be like, if there's something that you want to reveal to me about how I'm interacting with, you know, the way that you run the world, God, please, like I'm submitting to that um, because he will show up big in these playthings. Um, but basically play with umbrellas in the rain and then also play um, on a sunny day when like right around lunchtime when the sun is really high and you can see the shadows Notice the freedom that an umbrella brings you because a lot of times I think people say that his worldview and, and the way that he runs things his authority um, Hinders, but in reality it brings so much freedom. So notice the freedom um, That an umbrella does give how how it can take you in, into so many places but also notice where it won't go like under a bench or um, through a car door open or through a playground tunnel open um across a playground bridge it should work fairly good um upstairs downstairs but it won't go under the railing of stairs open so just just kind of notice the freedom but also where it stops you that's
1: really good i heard that it's really good i like that i
0: came up with that just yesterday
1: good good job (laughs) i like that
0: i didn't i think he did but
1: Uh, um our resource for tonight um, is another book, and I will tell you up front, it is a really chewy read. Um, we haven't read it for years just because the thought of going back into it um, kind <laughs> it of kind of terrifies me, me a little bit. Um, but the book is Think Like Jesus um, by George Barna. Um, the Barna Group did a bunch of research and found that 90-something percent of church-going Christians, not people who just claim to be Christian, but church-going Christians, 90-something percent, high 90 percent, did not have a biblical worldview. And he goes through and he talks through some of these questions that we're talking through and these ideas and and helps Christians develop a biblical worldview so that they can um, articulate that and understand kind of the the why behind the what in dealing with God and why some of these things, um, how they flesh out and play out in our life. So um, it's a great book, but just understand that it is an academic type, chewy read. It's not going to... Flow conversationally. It, it, it's a it's a tough book, so I encourage you to pick that up and uh, read it. If you're interested in this worldview stuff, if you're not, then you can just skip on over to the next episode, or even uh, skip episode ten and just go straight to eleven. So
0: I have a couple of other resources that I've read and some different parenting stuff um, that I'm also going to attach in the show notes, but they kind of touched on it. Think like Jesus was the best out of all of them.
1: So, all right. So we got for tonight. So, um, this is our worldview episode on authority and humanity, and hopefully you got something out of that. Uh, if you got any questions, feel free to shoot us an email comments. Um, a lot of you guys are, are listening to this and texting with us and it's great. It's been fun to interact with you about these ideas and this content. So, um, keep that coming. It's super fun to, to have that with you. So, but feel free to shoot us an email at model parenting at gmail.com or shoot us a text, or uh, whatever kind of questions you got. And uh, hopefully you'll catch the next episode, and hope you guys take care. Thanks.